Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 31st, 2014. Happy New Year, everyone. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book and we will begin reading on page 30 at the bottom of the page beginning with, We Are Like Men Who Have Lost Their Legs. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Anita L., 12 Traditions, Alita P. Our readers will be Michelle H., Penny C., Deb W., and Renata G. The share ID for Tuesday, December 30th, 2014, is 7149. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, big book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. I will now ask Alita P. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. Alita P., the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Seven, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And seven, and twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Alita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 30, paragraph four, beginning with the words, we are like men who have lost their legs. I will ask Michelle H., to get us started. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, visionaries. This is Michelle H., recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. 
Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there have been brief recovery, followed always by a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. And so, you know, I'm focusing on that that sentence, we have tried every imaginable remedy. And what was my remedy aimed at? My remedy was aimed at that great obsession that somehow, someday, I would be able to control and enjoy um, my, you know, my eating of my alcoholic foods, those sugary, flowery substances. And I, I didn't know, I didn't have the awareness that the obsession was there because I was only aware of that physical allergy that if I didn't pick up, if I didn't put those substances in my body, then I wouldn't develop the phenomenon of craving. So that was my focus when I came back in to Overeaters Anonymous in July of 2005 and heard that abstinence is the most important thing without exception. I, you know, I hadn't been brought into my awareness about this greater aspect of my disease, which resides in my mind. And um, so I, that's all I knew to do. I didn't realize that I was like a person who had lost their legs, that that I could never grow new ones, that I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater, that there is no remedy, there is no, there's no cure, there, I'm not going, there's no going back. I'm once a compulsive overeater, always a compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, one of the thoughts, one of the remedies that I tried that was in my mind that I didn't see at the time, but I, um, I'm looking back, I can see that I thought that if I reached a normal, healthy weight, that that was going to make me a normal eater. Then I would be able to control and enjoy um, eating those substances. And I remember an experience that, you know, I, you know I've been abstinent without sugar flour. I, there was no phenomenon of craving for two years. And I was with a normal eater. I was with my sister, and it was December. And there was, we were staying in a hotel, and there was, um, you know, there were these sugary things that were setting out. And I, I remember that without the ph- phenomenon of craving, I, I, I imitated her. My body looked like her body. I had had some weight loss. And somehow I believed, you know, this disease in my mind, this mental twist, told me that now I could have that. Now I was a normal eater. I looked like her. I could be like her. And we know what happened. I picked up one. I ate it. And I really thought that, okay, I only had one. Now I've got control but I had a still worse relapse. That's what happened. And there is no such thing as making me a normal eater because I am a, a real compulsive overeater. There is no such thing. I did not know that. I didn't know that truth. And it was only through being brought through uh, this, these 12 steps, uh, according to the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and particularly this chapter that drove it home to me, that I that there is this truth that I wasn't accepting because I I have this this mental twist it's deep in my unconscious I'm not aware of it and it's always going to take me back to the food can can I can I now see that there is this delusion there's this kind of thinking that is always going to take possession of me and it happened many many times um, there was no remedy there was no uh, control and looking back I can see that. And the only thing that saved me um, was the solution, being brought to the solution. And I'm so grateful today that that mental obsession has been removed and is removed one day at a time. 
And um, today I know that I'm not going to grow those new legs. I'm not going to grow into a normal eater. Today I, I am thankful and grateful to know that I am a real compulsive overeater. I have a twofold illness, and I am powerless without that power. And one day at a time, living in 10, 11, and 12, um, that mental obsession can, I have a daily reprieve. It is removed, but it'll always take me back if I forget. And if I let up on my spiritual actions and my work, it, that mental obsession will get me again. I am never going to grow new legs. And I am so grateful to know that truth today and grateful to be a part of this meeting. Thank you all. Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Larry. Okay, I heard Kim. Becky. Judith R. And Amy. Okay, I heard Kim, I heard Amy, I heard Larry, and I heard Judith R. Catherine. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go with Kim, Amy, Larry, and Judith, the rest of the board, okay? Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive over here from South Jersey. And I love this analogy of lost their legs, but I'd like to bring it to something maybe we can relate to. A lot of us don't know people that have lost their legs. So what about those of us that wear glasses? I mean, that's a permanent disability. We have dead vision. And do we wake up on New Year's Eve and think, you know what, I just don't feel like wearing my glasses. It's New Year's Eve. You know, I'm going on vacation. I think for this vacation, I'm going to just not wear glasses. You know, it's my birthday. I don't feel like wearing glasses. I'm angry. I don't feel like wearing glasses. What we do is we accept the fact that we have poor vision and we're grateful for the, for the concept that we can have glasses to enjoy normal vision. That's a much easier concept for me to understand. And I, get, I have to fully concede to the fact that this is a permanent disability. I have an allergy of the body that will never change. I can never safely use, eat those foods again. And I also have this mental obsession that gratefully, when I walk through these 12 steps and get a connection with a higher power, it is removed and I am recovered. However, if I do not do the daily maintenance, I do not get the advantage of that daily reprieve. So that's an easier analogy we can understand. And one of the things they talk about in here is not making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. The delusion that we or other people has to be smashed. We've tried long and hard to drink like other people. And for me, I had to even look at the fact that I didn't even have the right delusion. Because the fact was, I don't want to eat like other people. I have friends that are normal eaters. They're weird. You know, they order food and they share it with people. They have dessert, they have a couple bites, and they tell me it's too rich or they're stuck and they don't want any more. They have ice cream in the freezer for a year and it goes bad. I don't want to do that. What I want, my delusion, is I want to eat like I want to eat and I don't want the consequences. I want to eat like I want to eat and I want to look like my friends who are normal eaters. So I had to even get through my head this delusion I thought I had wasn't even the right delusion. I want my food, and I don't want the consequences. So let me tell you, even though I know to the depths of my soul I am a compulsive overeater, I'm like a man who's lost his leg or someone who needs to wear glasses, I want to assure you out there that I am a compulsive overeater today to the depths of my core. But today I do not suffer from compulsive overeating in any way, shape, or form because of having walked through these steps and have had a spiritual awakening. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim.
Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So grateful to be here. Boy, that quote we are, we, we have, like men who have lost their legs, they never grow new ones. You know, we've talked about over the past couple of paragraphs and in the chapter, um, you know, there is a solution is that once we cross that line into the compulsive overeating, that there is no going back, that I would never, ever be a normal drinker. And it's so hard. It's at the beginning of this chapter, most of us have been unwilling to admit that we are real alcoholics because for a lot of us at some point, or at least I can speak in my experience, that there was a point in time where I thought I had some sort of instance of, of control. And, but it was always followed by a still worse relapse. And then I crossed over the line into compulsive overeating and there was no control and no going back. And this whole idea of trying every imaginable remedy you know, before I understood this idea of the twofold nature of the disease, my remedies were always focused on the symptom of this disease, which was the weight. It was the weight, the numbers on the scale, and all of my remedies were focusing on the diet or the next diet pill or the fab diet or the exercise or the fit, you know, the fitness trainer or whatever it was. It was not dealing with the issues that were going on inside of me. It was not dealing, as others have said, with the mental obsession. And, you know, you've heard in the rooms before that trying to put, to fix compulsive overeating with a diet is like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Every remedy that I tried did nothing. It failed miserably. I failed miserably because everywhere I went, I took myself with me. And with me came that mental obsession, this merciless obsession that against all reason I would find myself binging. Against all reason, I would find myself binging. And it says here, science may one day accomplish this idea of, you know, in my dreams back then, it was, well, you know, maybe there'll be a magic pill. I'll be able to take some sort of pill that will allow me to eat whatever I want. I could so relate to what Kim was saying. I wanted to be able to eat whatever I wanted without having to suffer the consequences. You know, science may, may someday accomplish something like that, but it's never going to address for me what is the mental obsession what it is about me that is never going to change. And that's the mental obsession. The physical allergy isn't going to change for me. At any point, I could pick up my allergic substances, my binge foods, and I will be allergic to those. That will never change. Behavior modification won't fix that. And the mental obsession will also kick back in. That will never change either. We have that daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my 12 steps, my relationship with my higher power. It seems radical, but that is the remedy for me because there is no way that I will ever grow legs back. I will never be able to eat normally. I just have to accept that fact that as, if I have no legs, I'm always going to need crutches. That is my disability. And once I accept that, I can move forward into this recovery program. But it comes first with this acceptance, and it's all about step one. I am absolutely powerless without God in my life and these steps and this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And Larry, it's your turn. Thanks, Sally. Uh, this is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. I uh, like what was said already. You know, a remedy, you know, that's a, that's a treatment or a cure for a disease. And there's no cure for my disease. If, if you have an alcoholic mind like mine, 
you know, we've gone to any lengths to deceive ourselves into thinking we could eat like normal men and women. You know, but when, when we finally concede to our innermost selves that we're in the grip of a progressive illness, that this never gets better, it always gets worse, it will enslave us as long as we attempt to apply our own willpower as a remedy, as the solution. You know, then and only then can we surrender to this practical program of action. And, you know, I was thinking when I was reading, here's just a few of my bright ideas that I tried while still, you know, worshiping at the altar of Larry. You know, here's, here's what science offered me. You know, the cabbage soup diet, laxatives, hundreds of dollars on Nutrisystem food that I, that I threw away. Um, that, was, that was humbling. Diet pills from Dexatrim. Well, I guess I'm dating myself there. To um, ephedra, to Fenfen. Remember Fenfen, Herbalife. Optifast, SlimFast, uh, you know, just I'll just plain old fast. I mean, two liposuction surgeries in my case, six, $7,000 a pop. The Atkins um, diet is so many times I, I, I couldn't tell you. South Beach diet, zone diet, bulimic exercise. I ran a marathon. That, that's going to that's, that's gonna solve my problem. Restrictive eating, one meal a day, a new relationship, a new job, a new home. You know, none of this stuff worked, but I had a bright idea every day. Every, I can remember, you know, many a, su- a Sunday night, boy, did I come up with a bright idea, perhaps one that I had used, uh, you know, many times before, and it seemed like the best idea I had at the time. But I, I will never grow new legs, you know, and, but what, you know, the beauty is, you know, once a psychic change has occurred, you know, like it says, the very same person, which was me, who seemed doomed, you know, the, 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 the guy who tried all those things, um, you know, suddenly finds himself easily able to, uh, you know, to, to, to deal with this. I mean, because the obsession of the mind was removed. Um, and surrender, you know, but the price had to be paid, you know, and that was the price was not, boy, did I pay a lot of money for all these things. The price I had to pay was destruction of ego, was, was absolute ego deflation. And this program allowed me to do that. I didn't do that for myself. I didn't wake up one morning and say, yes, I will deflate my ego. No, that happened over time by subjecting myself, kicking, thrashing about. But finally, the disease beat me down, and I subjected myself to this practical program of action. And then in reflection, I can tell you what happened now, that I'm free, free, finally. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Larry and Judith, and I'll go right after you. I'm going to jump in. Judith, you go ahead. This is Judith Iyer, gratefully recovered compulsive reader in Vermont. Thirty years ago, my sponsor had me write on We Will Never Grow New Legs, and I found it really powerful to think about that possibility, and that was even before I met my cousin who had lost his leg up to his hip in Israel, But what I thought about was if I had lost a leg, I could try to hobble around without it. I could hop, but I couldn't walk. And how long might it take me to get over the denial of having lost my leg? How long would I suffer that way before I did what I didn't want to do, which is drive up to the office of the guy who was going to make me a prosthesis. And 
I just thought how horrible that would be to have to go and get a new leg and how I wouldn't want to do it. And that's why I would stay home for God knows years trying to deny that I had lost my leg. When I finally go and get the prosthesis, I can run, I can jump, I can play basketball, I can dance. And that's what it was like with me and my eating was that I had to get over thinking that I was going to get over it any day now. And I had to go to the person who could tell me about the 12 steps. And then I could run around like a normal person. So I'm so grateful for the 12 steps. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, my name is Sally this is A. Becky. I'm a um, Becky, I'm going to take a turn and you can come right after me, okay? My name is Sally A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey, and I too am going to chime in on this sentence. I think is a brilliant sentence. We are like men who have lost their legs. And this sentence comes on the heels of this last paragraph and these last few sentences. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. And it's interesting to me because for myself, I'm a registered nurse and I'm doing psychiatric home care. And I have a number of patients that I take care of who are veterans who are with the VA. And a number of them who have lost toes, feet, legs, and, and, and the, the interesting thing is that it's like an erosion because some of them have diabetes, some of them have peripheral vascular disease, PBD, and it's just like the sentence that says they're in the grips of a progressive illness. They lose their toes, but that's not enough. The gangrene comes back. They lose a foot. That's not enough. They lose their, their leg. And then I have a patient who just lost his second leg. And so he is really what we're talking about here, this gentleman that I happen to know, like men who have lost their legs. And please let me tell you what this looks like for these guys. It looks like great depression. And it looks like, oh, my goodness, where will this end? Where is this going to stop? And for some of them, it doesn't stop until not just they lose their legs. It continues into problems with their kidneys. But here we see this, this image that's being given to us, like the top of page 18 in the book that likens our disease to cancer. Here they're likening us to men who have lost their legs. And the, and the first stage is, well, there's a lot of stages. There's that denial stage. And we just heard that so beautifully put, the stages that people go through. But for myself, it really took me years to accept and to believe that I got this thing. It took me years to really accept and believe that I really got this because I really couldn't, I couldn't go forward until I accepted that. And I had to believe that it was a progressive thing, that it wasn't something that was ever going to get better. You're not going to grow new legs to the extent that can you imagine a guy who's lost his legs? He's going to give away his shoes. He's going to give away his shoes. What does he need his shoes for anymore? See, there's a change in his life. He goes in his closet and he knows, I'm never going to wear shoes again. I don't have legs anymore. This is the reality. And this is who I am, that I am a different person, that I am changed, that I recognize and accept that I'm not going to be able to go back. Yes, there's a period of grieving and mourning. I'm never going to have another cannoli. 
I'm never going to have a piece of cheesecake. I'm never going to have blah, blah, blah. But guess what? Thank God. I've progressed. I don't even look at those things anymore. Is a level, the depth of the level of acceptance that I can look and I can, I can even help make the, the, the garlic bread at the holidays. And it's like, it's just past me. It's beyond me. It's like, oh, I don't even want that. I don't even think, gee, I can't have that. This thought never even comes to my mind. And that's where we have to go. We have to understand that we are not like other people. That we are like people that have lost our legs. We're not going to wear shoes anymore. And that's just the way it is. And once we reach that level of acceptance, no, we're not going to control this thing. But certainly we're going to begin to have a new level of humility. You know, in the third chapter of the 12 and 12, it says that it's, it's talking about that fabulous sentence, faith alone can avail us nothing. It says only by action. It's only by action that we can cut away the self-will which has blocked us from God. And that's where we are at this point, a place where we're being led to a place of action so we can cut away the self-will that's blocking us from God. Okay, thanks for letting me share. And who is next? This is Bella. Can I share? And then Varna. This is Becky. Becky, I heard you were next. You go first, then Bella, and then Varna. Varna. Who else is there? Becky? Hannah. Anita Hannah. Shay. Hannah. Hannah, I heard you, Hannah. And Anita Shay. Okay. And Becky, and then uh, I had Bella, Anna B. I had Fasa, Lauren S., Hannah, An- Anita J. What was that? Who was that last person? Deanna B. Deanna B. Okay, let's go with that. Becky, go ahead. Hi, thank you, everyone. This is Becky, and I'm a compulsive overeater from Maryland. What I uh, really love about this chapter is that it really shows me about my disease, that I am a compulsive overeater. You know, the big book sort of um, tells us that, you know, compulsive overeaters like alcoholics, we are a restless, irritable, discontent bunch. But it should also add that we're kind of stubborn. I shouldn't say kind of we are. And we're stubborn in the sense that it's hard for us to admit that we're powerless, as step one says, and that our lives have become unmanageable. And Bill knows that we're kind of a stubborn lot and that we don't really um, pay attention to things. And the people that, Bill and the people who have authored this book, you know, start out this by kind of telling us, okay, we're mentally different. Then as we, you know, talk a little bit further down in the paragraph, then it says we have an obsession. Then he turns the obsession into the word illusion. Then he talks about his his sanity. Then he kind of escalates every word to kind of prove to the stubborn person that, okay, guess what? Now it's a delusion, a delusion that has to be smashed. So he kind of escalates the word you know, delusion, and then finally he says, okay, listen, it's like we've lost our legs, ladies and gentlemen, and we can't grow them back. And for some reason, this really hit me because it helped me accept who I am fully. And when I read this, we are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow back. I've shared this in my home meetings. You know, I'm 5'10", and all in terms of my my height, I'm I'm pretty much all legs, and uh, 
you know, when I was growing up and all my friends were very tiny and petite and, you know, didn't seem to have a weight problem. And I always wanted to be tiny and petite. And I kind of always hunched over, as a matter of fact, to kind of not be as tall as they were. And, and then I finally realized, you know what, I'm 5'10", I'm tall. I just have to just, you know, enjoy and be who I am and stand tall. And this, this sentence helped me realize that I am who I am. And it also helped me realize that I'm a compulsive overeater. And while I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, I was also pretty stubborn. And I finally had to realize that the delusion of me ever being normal had to be smashed. When I joined the rooms of OA and my sponsor and other fellows would tell me what I had to do, I had to accept that. And I still fought and fought and fought and said, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I wanted an easier, softer way. And my sponsors they were just, and my fellows were very, very good. They kept saying, well, how's that working for you, Miss Stubborn? And guess what? It didn't work. You know why? Because nothing else works but these steps and these programs. And step one, admitting that we're powerless, that our lives have become unmanageable, followed by step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore the sanity. Well, this is the mental obsession, ladies and gentlemen, the delusion that we are we are like normal eaters have to be smashed, and we unfortunately are are um, have lost our legs, so to speak. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Becky and Bella. It's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Sally, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We are like men who have lost their legs. Wow. It's a freedom. Thank you, God, that I can see it. And, yes, it's a freedom for me. It sounds like very sad, but it's the first time that I have the ability to live the present. Because before I came to the program, I was angry and upset about my past, anxious about the future. I was blaming myself that I cannot lose weight because I don't have the willpower. I was blaming the society, my friends, my family, everybody. Because of them, I am overweight. Now, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I know I live the present. And yes, I, I am like a men that lost their legs, and I have the power to choose how I want to live. If I want to live that, well, Bella, you are overweight, you don't have the willpower, and to continue to be heavy and to suffer, well, it's my choice. Today, thank you, God, I choose to live different. Yes, I like a man that lost their legs, and I have a solution. I still can jump and dance and hop because I choose to be connected to the higher power. Yes, thank you, God, that even though I like, I have a disease. Yes, I have a disease. And I can live with my disease in freedom, in happiness, in peaceful, only because I choose one day at a time to be connected to an acceptable power. 
Yes, I am powerless, and there, there is a higher power that accepts me and loves me and respects me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Vasa, it's your turn. Yes, thank you, Sally, for your service, and good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. And my name is Vasa O and Recover Compulsive Eater calling from, Fox, from uh, Florida. And, uh, yes, uh, I didn't want to die. You know, I had to accept it. Live or die, Vasa. This is the solution. And I'm so, like, I remember hearing how the 100 men and women recovered. And I didn't want to die. I was looking for the solution. And I was like this, the man that lost their, their legs. They were never going to wear shoes anymore. And that was for me. I, I, you know, I lost the battle with the food addiction, and I was gonna die if I kept on doing what I was doing. And then when I accepted, I remember grieving, and the sadness. I could never have hot pot Sunday or brownies or cakes or whatever. Whatever I hear that other people struggled with the sugars and the and the flour, and uh, I remember grieving. I remember saying, "Oh my God, oh, I cannot have this for the rest of my life. I can't even imagine going through life with not having this stuff." And you know, my sponsor said, "You know, Vasa, we do this only one day at a time. Well, me one meal at a time." And I said, "Okay, I can do this." just for one meal, one day, just for today. She said, don't even think about tomorrow. Just do it for one day. And you know what? Even for that day was hard, not even thinking about tomorrow what I was going to do. For me to put it down, I was a grazer. You know, I was always putting stuff in my mouth, not just breakfast, lunch, and supper. In between, my husband said to me, you eat only one meal, Vasa. It starts in the morning. It doesn't end till the night, and if I get up to go to the bathroom, I he was sleeping, he didn't know that, I went in the refrigerator, I'd have eh, another glass of milk, another few whatever there was there on the counter, and I'd go back to sleep. So it's a progressive disease. I was doomed. I was doomed, and I needed to accept I was powerless. I couldn't manage the food addiction anymore. I tried. 25 years of my life, I couldn't do it. Finally, I had to surrender. I had to surrender to a power greater than me, which I call God, and I needed to surrender to the program. I was stubborn, you know, I was a stubborn person, but I turned it for a, a positive stubbornness, you know. My husband says, you don't need that. I'm enough for you. You know, you don't have to go out to those meetings. But I knew I had a higher power to, you know, to guide me and protect me from everything. I had a fear of my husband. I said, my God, if I don't do what he tells me to do, he's going to leave me. He's going to abandon me. How am I going to find another husband, you know, especially being overweight? Who's going to want me, you know? I'm just so grateful to be here in the solution, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And Lauren S. Oh, cool. Okay. Lauren S. <clears throat> I did Sam. 
from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, oh, my gosh. So I was doing a little research to try to connect this to myself. And, you know, I've never lost any legs. Um, and I, too, wear glasses. But uh, I decided to just kind of explain what Bill meant when he wrote, we are like men who lost their legs. Because I do see, you know, I have this permanent disability. Um, you know, what, what's happened with me, though, through this program is, is the, the choice. You know, when it comes to, to certain foods <clears throat> that, that are toxic to my body, they, God removed the choice from me. So, so he... They're not even an option anymore. They don't come into my brain. Like, it's, it's not a choice whether I want to binge or not um, by the grace of God because he's, he's, he's changed my thinking. It's not even under my radar. You know, even if the binge foods are in, in my house or my apartment or my parents' house, I don't, I don't even notice them. So, uh Okay, so just do a little research. Men have lost their legs. Now, Bill, Bill was a second lieutenant in the war, in World War One, and he entered the war in 1918. And in the job of a second lieutenant was to make sure men were well fed, rifles cleaned, feet dried, socks changed, and he inspired men to attack attack from to climb out and attack from the trenches. And of course, I I'm just assuming that's what what he did. And so he must have saw men who had body parts blown off and legs blown off and, and, and you know, eyes shot out and, <clears throat> and men who, who really did lose their legs. And it's, it's quite a graphic picture when I imagine it. I, I think of, of war movies I've seen with men having their legs blown off. So I don't think Bill is... I think Bill's trying to be very economical with his words to to really transmit the message that step one is you're hopeless and you're going to compulsively eat. If you don't compulsively overeat, you're you're going to act out in some way, Lauren, because Lauren Saggio from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania has a spiritual malady that demands treatment. It demands treatment. If I'm not working a a spiritual program of action, then I'm treating my disease in some way. I'm using, I'm using, you know, pills. I'm using medication that I, that I don't need. I'm using, I'm obsessively going to meetings. I'm relying on my sponsor. I'm using a food plan. I'm, I'm shopping, I'm constantly calling people. Oh, sorry. Okay, thanks, guys. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. And Hannah, it's your turn. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. This is Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. I'm glad to be abstinent today. I, I was praying this morning, and 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 as I do... I, 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 when I ask 
the God of my understanding to keep me abstinent, I say, just for today. And there is always this moment of relief that I only have to do this today. And the days have added up for me into years now, but I don't have to carry the weight of that. I can still say it's just for today. Um, knowing my intention is to be abstinent for the rest of my life. Um, in my disease, I had no desire to eat like a normal person. And that's, that's you know, when I read this, that physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there's no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. You know, and and again, in my disease, when I'm honest, I recognize I don't, I didn't want to be a normal eater. I wanted to eat, to do, to not be present. Um, so that's that's a big moment for me of of recognizing that recognizing the obsession and 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 what's underneath that obsession. That somehow I can be a different person. You know the the. The significance, the, the other piece of information about this image of being like men who have lost their legs, the reason the second lieutenant's job was to make sure that the men's feet were clean and dry was that men lost feet to trench foot because trench warfare was wet and muddy. So it's it's a very it's a very ugly and powerful image in its background, but the other thing is they didn't have a choice about being in those trenches, and we have a choice about stepping out of the trench of compulsive overeating and being sober, being clean, being abstinent on dry ground, keeping our feet clean and dry. Uh, and that's really, that to me is the not even just one or not even a little bit. I have to keep my feet clean and dry. I can't even dip my toe into compulsive overeating. Um, I'm, I'm thankful to be here. Thanks. Bye. Pass. Thank you, Hannah. And Anita J. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, wonderful. This is Anita J. in Massachusetts, recovered and grateful. As we start this new year, this this is the year that I noticed I didn't have any legs. I never noticed that. I thought that I could go through life, you know, with a torso and two arms and a head and a neck, and I just never knew. And I've been coming. I just want to talk to the people who have been coming for years, toughing it out, braving it out, and... um not knowing what the heck is wrong with me. Well, what was wrong with me was I never noticed I didn't have two legs. When I've come to finally surrender and have a step one, I know why someone keeps saying step one is important. I never had a real true step one, or I wouldn't have repeated and repeated, thinking that maybe today I can walk like sane men. Are you kidding? 
But there's the fantastic thing. This is the year 2014. You know, I, I can't say it's all vision. It was, I think, God led me here. Reading a chapter at a meeting and discussing it, that went too fast for this compulsive overeater. I had to hear it paragraph by paragraph to hear people all over the country and beyond the country talk about their legs or lack of legs. And now it doesn't matter. I cannot believe that it doesn't matter. Life has just kind of done a flip. The whole thing, my life has done, like I'm I'm walking on my hands now. I mean, it's, but I mean enjoy, not pretending. It's just a fantastic way to live. And I, I thought I had it. I had parts of it. I just have always sold God short and me short. And I just hope nobody sells themselves short. And thank God for, um, really, as someone always says, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I pass. Thank you, Anita. And finally, Diana. Rabia. Thank Diana, you. Yes, we may have time for you, Rabia. Diana, go ahead. All right. Thank you. This is Deanna B. Uh, now residing in Arizona for three months. So I'm on Mountain Time, and I'm just so grateful to be here and that we're in this chapter. We were driving through several states, and in this chapter, it just was just jumped out at me. And sometimes my, the towers would go. I'd have to listen later in my room to the meeting. And it's something I'm not used to since I've been coming to A Vision for You. I've been there every day. But what I wanted to focus on is that, you know, I finally, after 30 well, 36 years, because it's almost a year now that I've been abstinent and half a year that I've been in a vision and about four months since I've been recovered, that, you know, it takes what it takes. And I no longer have to beat myself up because, again, it takes what it takes. Um, it says here, and what we've been reading on my in my travels through the different states, the illusion, we I did, I had an illusion and a delusion that I could eat like other people, that I, I went on, just like everybody says, I've been through the gamut. And now AA, they have, uh, they say, I qualify. Yes, drank enough to get here. I think I ate enough and binged enough. And uh, although I don't purge, I tried and um, to get here. I have, when I came in to a vision for you and got a guide, I realized through the help of my guide that my uh, activity of chewing gum was uh, the chew, the chewing, the sugar and the chewing. And that I was up to four packs a day and that was something I had to let go of. And I did. And Pretty much immediately, I really had no problems with that except on this trip. I have been trying to talk myself into just one. In Voices of Recovery, and I keep it in my wallet, stay out of my head, it's a dangerous neighborhood. Whenever I get into an argument, I always lose. Get out of my head and into my heart. And I remember that I had it in my wallet, read it, 
And every time we stop, I'd say, well, maybe just one. I'd take a, a drink of water and swirl it around in my mouth because I was so, so dry. I have an issue with liquid and I'm restricted. But you know, somebody suggested just swirl it around in your mouth. And that's what I did. I was so grateful to get here and make my abstinent dinner last night. And I brought my sponsor on the, my food sponsor on the phone with me to dinner the other night. I had froze all the eggs and chicken that I had brought with me. They were all frozen and they were spoiled. And when I got to the restaurant, we were so tired. It really wasn't a restaurant. It was a diner. It's across the street from where we were staying. And I looked at the menu and I... Thank you. And I asked for salad. She says, we're out of... Who who runs out of salad? Anyway, (laughs) we left and got dinner. And I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. And I'll pass. Thank you, Diana. Mary Philadelphia. Rabia, if you can be brief, I think we have time for just a two-minute share. Oh, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much, everybody. I'm also over here for Philadelphia. Wait the, true demoral- the true Rabia. demoralization. Rabia, is that you? No, it, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. Rabia is going to be our last share this morning. I'm so sorry. Tomorrow we'll be back for more. Rabia, you'll be the last share. And if you could please be brief and keep it to a minute, two minutes, that would be great. I, I'd be happy to be very brief. Um, hi, everyone. This is Rabia M. from New York. Um, so, such a powerful meeting. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we have tried every imaginable remedy. Uh, and for me, today, December 31st, I'm reminded of 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 one um, a remedy I in my desperation so many years of at the strike of midnight tonight. I would be struck abstinent. I would be able to muster enough willpower that January 1st would be my first day of a new diet, of a new abstinence once again. Um, and, and the desperation of that. And, and today can be a very desperate day. And I just want to say to the newcomers on the line who, who are just joining us and, and in this desperation that we do have a solution for you and Stay on for the second meeting, and at seven minutes to nine, sponsors will come on and tell you their names, and then right after that, you can tell us your name, and then we can call you. You can have had your last binge. You can start right now, this morning. Just stay on the line for the second meeting. We're here to help you, and and there can be recovery today for everyone on the line. Thank you, Em, for that I pass. Thank you, Rabia. And for those of you who would still like to share on this paragraph, of course, there's a second hour that begins right after we welcome the newcomers. And so with that, I'm going to close the meeting and ask um, and thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Penny C. please read page 164 in the chapter of Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Penny C. Thank you, Sally. Recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.